Welcome to an HBO podcast from the HBO Late Night series, Real Time with Bill Maher. Okay. Good cheerful tonight. It took a full year. But Donald Trump is catering in the polls. He is... Did I say catering? Cratering is what I meant to say. He's also catering. He's got a business on the side. Trump steaks. They're going like... like hotcakes, which he's also selling over here. No. No, he's cratering. I don't... Was it something he said? I, uh... Don't ask me to explain Americans, really. I mean, he has been saying crazy, offensive shit for a full year, and now they go, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> this guy, there's something a little off about this guy. He is setting records for political unpopularity. 70% of Americans now have an unfavorable opinion of Donald Trump. That is, uh, okay, all right, all right, all right, all right. That's up 10 points in a month. <laughs> His favorable rating is only 29%. That's historically low. He's got 77% unfavorable with women. They view him negatively. 89% unfavorable, big surprise, with Latinos. 94% unfavorable with black folks. Um, okay, but, but Trump never changes. Today he tweeted, the people who hate me love me. <laughs> No, they don't. His campaign has blood coming out of its whatever. Uh, no, really. I mean, no one even wants to be his vice president. The only people who will say yes, Newt Gingrich and Chris Christie. That's who they're talking about. I, I think Christie would be great. First of all, he would shatter the glass floor. <laughs> He's a heavy man. No, but the Republicans are having real buyer's remorse about this Donald Trump. It's like, it's like buying a monkey, you know? <laughs> Everybody thinks it sounds fun to have a monkey, and then you get it home, it starts throwing poop and tears your face off. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so listen to this. The Republican power brokers are now considering putting in a conscience clause at the... <laughs> You're right, sir. That is kind of funny in itself. But, no, at the convention, which would unbind the delegates and allow them to vote for someone else, this is, this is new for the Republicans, trying to keep white people's votes from counting. Uh... <laughs> But uh, speaking of the conventions, what a good time to announce that Real Time will be on not just Friday convention week, but Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Thank you, yes. Thank you, HBO. That's right. 
We're going to be on, I think, at 11 o'clock. That's what it should end, or 8 o'clock, whatever time zone you're in. But, uh, yes, uh, we will be covering the convention because it is going to be a Category 5 shitstorm. <laughs> oh, at the Republican convention, there will be blood. When they try to take it away from Donald Trump, because his supporters watch a lot of professional wrestling, <laughs> and conventions have a lot of folding chairs, you do the math. Uh, but to be fair... <laughs> we want to be fair. <clears throat> we will also be doing the Democratic convention. We will also be on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday for that. And, and... And we will cover it when the Bernie people and the Hillary people throw kale at each other. Because that's <laughs> not quite as violent, but... No. <laughs> no, the Republican convention is going to be the fun one because already they're, you know, they're losing all their corporate sponsors because of Donald Trump. Coca-Cola, Microsoft, they pulled back. Uh, today we found out Walgreens, Ford, Motorola, UPS, Wells Fargo. They're all pulling out. You know... <clears throat> The only one they have left, X-Lax. <laughs> X-Lax, for when you just want to get this shit over with. That's no slogan. Uh, but, no, you know what? Trump, he blew it. This week, we had a national tragedy, and everybody in politics, their response, as always, completely predictable. Republicans talked about radical Islam. Democrats talked about gun control. Trump talked about himself. <laughs> and did you see the shooter? I mean, the shooter said the punishment, he said that what he did was punishment for the filthy ways of the West. You know, I just want to say to all my friends, gay, straight, and in between, get your filthy on. <laughs> you know what? <sighs> get your filthy on. You can have our filthy Western ways when you pry them from our cold, dead hands. <laughs> Filthy ways of the West. That should be California's new motto. When you come in across the border from Nevada, welcome to California, home of the filthiest ways in the West. I mean, and did you see the pictures of the shooter and his family at Disneyland? Okay, one, they seemed to be enjoying the West just fine that day. And two, where was that alligator when we needed it? We got a great show, Emily Miller, Justin <laughs> Barrow, and Colonel Lawrence Wilkinson are here. Little be speaking with writer-director Ruby Patel. But first up, she's the author of All the Single Ladies, Unmarried Women, and the Rise of an Independent Nation, and a writer at large for New York Magazine, whose recent cover story is Hillary Clinton versus herself, Rebecca Traister. <laughs> Hi, Rebecca. Boy, you have a long intro. <laughs> How you doing? I'm great. I'm happy to be here. Oh, I'm happy to have you. All right. So, single women, I understand, are going to be the key voting block in yes, this election. they are. That's interesting, because in past elections, we heard they don't vote enough. They were the key voting block in 2012 as well. They were 23% of the electorate, so almost a quarter of the electorate. Mm -hmm. And they voted for Barack Obama by a kind of staggering margin, 67 to 31%. And by many, by many measures... By many measures, they are responsible for Barack Obama getting reelected. And I, I have this sneaking suspicion that the margin might be wider when it comes to choosing between Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. Yeah, but you know who doesn't like Hillary? White women. 
Uh, among white women, Hillary and Trump are tied. What is that? White women, let's see, woman, woman hater. Well, interestingly... Woman, <laughs> woman hater, I... Though, interestingly, amongst white single women... Single women. Single right. white women okay. vote Democratic as well. So really, marriage is the mar problem. I've always said that. <laughs> married white women are your problem. Married white women are your problem. They're not my problem. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's talk about uh, marriage. You know, it's interesting the way things have changed. When I was first doing a show in the 90s, you know, uh, I, I had to, like, stick up for the idea of being single is normal. You're not a weird person if you don't get married. And now, whenever I tell people I've never been married, they're like, good for you. <laughs> How'd you do it, man? I mean, it's like, it's like a, there, a badge of honor. There are now more unmarried people in the United States right. by about a percentage point. We are than a there single are, majority nation. We are a single majority nation. And it's not just some weird trend or quirk. For women no. especially, who historically have been economically dependent on men, have been sexually dependent on men sure. in eras when they couldn't control their reproduction through birth right. control or abortion, have been dependent on men if they wanted to have socially sanctioned families. Right. The fact that circumstances have changed and that now they can be earners, they can participate in public and political right. life, they can have liberated sex lives, they can mm. have families without being married, what that means, it displaces marriage as the organizing institution that that organizes gendered power, among other things. And it creates <clears throat> all kinds of new paths for, for women. It remaps right. women's adulthood in a way that is totally unprecedented and, that, and is discomforting to a lot of people. And... <clears throat> <laughs> yes. I mean, you, you said it beautifully. Uh, what I would <laughs> paraphrase that is, a woman doesn't just have to marry a loser. That, like, that's, no, like, but that's a revolution. No, it, it is a revolution. <laughs> like, before, you had to marry someone. You had to. And now it's more like, well, I'll marry somebody if somebody great comes along. It and raises, if it doesn't, I'm okay with that. It raises the bar right. on relationships. And right. it raises the bar on men's behavior. And, and you know... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. So, yeah, I, I love that word you used. You said they, you, women used to be hustled. Yeah. Hustled off to the highway of marriage. Yeah, hustled down that aisle. Right, you just, you were pushed. And at the beginning of your adulthood, because you were dependent, because you had right. to establish a relationship to the kind of American who could be an earner and who could and who could provide you with a socially sanctioned sex life and a family, that had to kick off your adulthood so that for hundreds of years, the median age, as long as they kept track, median age of first marriage for women fluctuated only between 20 and 22. In 1990, it crept up over 23, to 23.9. Today, it is over 27 and higher than that in many cities. So even for those who are marrying, they're doing it later and spending more years of their adulthood outside of this institution that historically really confined them. It's so interesting. Yeah. It... <laughs> you know, <laughs> you're a little younger than me. No, you're a lot younger than me. OK. But who isn't at this point? OK. <laughs> So, like, I graduated high school in 1974. Yeah. Okay, so I needed a summer job. Mm -hmm. You know, you know what my summer job was? <laughs> I sold pots and pans door to door. And what they said was, uh, "Look, get high school yearbooks, find the women who are not going to college, and knock on their door, because they will be needing pots and pans." Right. Right. This is. I was a pretty good pots and pans. <laughs> <laughs> 
No, I only lasted about three days. I was like, what the fuck am I doing? I, I, right. I, I, really, I would rather give blowjobs behind the 7-Eleven than, than do this job. This is just... Well, this is the difference, because right. with, if marriage was the thing that kicked off your adult life and you were a woman, you know what you were given? Pots and pans. Right. And dishes. And that was your life. Your work, in fact, was to support the public participation of your husband, the earning of your husband, by taking care of the family, doing the cooking, keeping the house. That's part of how you enforced marriage as the organizing principle, is because if you had a population of wives sure. dependent on these earners, they also then had to do the labor that enabled the men to go out into the world and earn. And that was pots and pans. That was babies. But, I mean, <laughs> there are still Republican politicians who talk about that in nostalgic terms. They talk about it obsessively. This is <laughs> this is dogma for Republican right, politicians. Right. Mitt Romney gave a speech at a graduation just a few years ago where he urged everybody, you know what, go out there and get married. But don't just get married. Marry early. Right. This is this is Republicans push the <laughs> push the idea that the so-called success sequence, right. graduating from college, getting graduating from high school or college, getting married, and then having a child is the cure for poverty and everything else that ails America. But it's also because they think if women are on their own, it's going to be government's job to support them more. That's a lot of what it is. You know, we're well, going to have to... It is the government's job to support them more, as the government has supported white men throughout our entire history. <laughs> I'm not kidding. The government enfranchised... The government enfranchised white men yeah, at the founding, protected it throughout while disenfranchising yes. people of color and women. The government has built infrastructure that supported businesses that were owned by white men who profited. The government has <laughs> depressed by not protecting wage equality, by not offering paid leave, has depressed women's ability to participate in the workforce and compete against men for the money and the power, and has left them as this population that needs to do the domestic I, I, work. I'm just a pot and pan salesman. <laughs> Don't yell at me. <laughs> I'm just trying to sell my pots and pans, okay? All right. Well, thank you very much for coming. Uh, you're a great guest. I hope you join our panel sometime. Rebecca Tracy. Right. Thank you very much. Let's meet our panel. Hey. Hi, everybody. Hey. I'm just a pot and pan salesman. He is the former chief of staff. Wow, he's on our show to Colin Powell, who is now distinguished visiting professor at the College of William and Mary. Oh, yes, Colonel Lawrence Wilkerson. One of my favorites is over there. How you doing? She is the senior political correspondent for One American News and author of Emily Gets Her Gun, But Obama Wants to Take Yours. Emily Miller, thank you, Emily, for being brave enough <laughs> to come into the lion's den. We appreciate that. He is the senior editor for Business Insider and an MSNBC contributor, Josh Barrow. Hello. Barrow. Barrow. Hello. I'm not a... <laughs> All right. It's like, don't think of pink elephant, and then I fuck it up every time. Remember to send us your questions for tonight's overtime so we can answer them after the show on YouTube. Okay, let's start with the politics before we get into the heavy stuff, because it was a heavy week. Um, as I mentioned in the monologue, a real difference this week in the polling with Mr. Donald Trump. Um, uh, why now? I mean, it's been going on for a year. Why now? Why, why, did it, why did it all kind of like start going south this week? I think it's two things. I think we're seeing in this round of polls the Judge Curiel controversy. It turns out yeah. Americans don't yeah. like blatantly racist attacks on the judiciary. 
that also signal that a president might use his power to support his own businesses and you know and 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 defeat his political opponents through untoward things and then the uh, and and then the response to the shooting I think there had been this idea that if there was terrorism that would be good for Trump because people would be scared I and, thought that I and said then that. he said well, this totally unhinged stuff and it turned out that voters don't like that so maybe the public has better sense than we realized. Well, you'll know a lot of, I think you all know a lot of conservatives don't put a lot of stock into some polls. I'll tell you, my network did a poll, 2,000 people, mostly Democrats, post Orlando, and has them neck and neck. But on the bigger picture on polls, we're going to see. Well, we don't. Wait, that, they're on. your polls. They're, we all have, Yeah, you know, we all have polls. You can but, look but it up. In most polls, he did go down this week. Okay, but bigger picture, you're going to see the candidates go up, you're going to see them go down. It's going to go on till September. And during Republican convention, you're going to see Trump's numbers go up, believe it or not. During the Democrat convention, you're going to see Hillary's numbers go up. It's all going to settle down when we can get into the debates in September and October. That's when right. people start, that's when you'll start seeing the real numbers that matter. Until then, it's just a horse race and a daily up and down. Well, that, well okay, that's a very charitable way to look at it. Right. Uh, that's, that, that's not the, I mean, that's not the way I see it. I see it as this was the week it ended. Okay. I, 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 I no, 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 no. Stop, stop, stop. And by the way, I, I don't think I'm not the only one because most of the Republicans who were uh, caught on camera this week mm -hmm. basically said, I don't want to talk about it. I mean, they dashed into the elevator. What a specifically of them. do you think made Donald Trump just his whole campaign? I you know what? I think it's selfishness. The judge thing looked selfish. There is no constituency for Trump University except Donald Trump and attacking the, the Mexican-American judge. And then when, when he basically said the first thing, first thing out of his mouth after Orlando was, I was right, I was right about terrorism. It was, well, it, it, he it, looks like what he is, a narcissist. Well, I think what you've said... Go ahead, Aaron. I think what, what you just said is, uh, is key from my perspective. And by the way, I sold pots and pans, too. So I empathize with you. You did not. I really? Did. Yeah. Wow. Really? High school. <laughs> Boy, was it tough. It is tough, <laughs> yes. I think the, uh, as Rich Armitage said the other day, uh, the pr Republican leadership is in a fog. And I think they're in a fog primarily because of what you just said. They realize now, incontrovertibly, they do not have a winning candidate. And they don't know what to do about it. That's it. That's it. Friends, I think you know that, Bill. Um, we worked at the State Department together, and he is a loyal patriot. But on this, we completely disagree. Absolutely. All uh, right, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. Um, um, I do. I think Republicans, the Republican establishment in D.C., their issue is not about. The issue is that they don't control Donald Trump. And you can talk to anybody at the RNC, which I do on a daily basis, and the leadership in the House and Senate, I do also on a daily basis. They don't know Donald Trump. They can't control him. He doesn't use their pollsters. He doesn't use their money guys because he's not a politician. And so that's why the elite and the establishment in Washington don't like Donald Trump. And that's, okay, but there's that's 14 a, million Americans reason, out there. That's one reason I think what I just said is operative because what we have is we have a man, whether he intended it or not, has caused the Republican Party in its present incarnation, an objective with which I don't necessarily disagree, to commit suicide. The party yes. is self-destructive. And, and that's why I think th this, this week they're looking for an out. I think yeah. this week they are saying, you know what, we reserve the right for a late-term abortion for Donald Trump. Oh. <laughs> because... No. And it might be bloody. Oh, you guys. We're not Stop. for abortion, but the life of the party is at stake. Okay. All right. I 
No one in cases where the you guys are or, this oh, this conversation is only happening in LA, Hollywood, in New York, in DC, no, in New York. No, you no, people, not. this is not happening in the rest of but America. But you saw those poll this, numbers that yeah. I was citing. I mean, which are a little th questionable. Those are very high negatives. Yeah. You have to admit. But what, and it's we poll get, after poll. We don't want to debate CBS. It's only winning white people. Only okay. Only when uh, I'm just are there saying, enough white people? There are 14 million, 13.5 million people who voted for Donald Trump in Republican primaries yes. within the bubble. But they're not in D.C., right. New York, you people's right. world. Roughly, roughly but, but they're also surrounded they by. But they're also, but they're also surrounded by other people in their state who are not Republican primary voters. Yeah. Mitt Romney got 62 million votes in 2012. And in lost. the general, right. just right. But I'm saying, like the 13 million people who who went out to vote for Donald Trump in primaries, that's not enough for him to win the election. We see it clearly that's, in the polling. My He's point popular is that their votes with, count. They are people who want to vote for. Right. Like the, this all whole pundit elite thing, conversation is right. relevant to the voters. Okay. Let, let's talk about the other stuff that happened this week because it's important and. Uh, I thought Barack Obama really nailed it when he said if, about eight years ago that Americans cling to their guns and their religion because this tragedy was brought to you by guns and religion. And, uh, <laughs> and, and anytime somebody shoots up a gay nightclub, the question is, is not was religion involved, it's what religion was involved. Why? And, Are you kidding me? And There's only one religion that is bombing and terrorizing I was just people. about to say that. Okay. There is. I was what? just about to yes, exactly. Okay. There, I'm sorry, folks. That's the truth, too. I agree. We have to be real on both counts. Yes, the God hates fags people show up with placards and posters, and they're despicable, but they don't show up with guns and bombs. That's just the world as it is today. Thank you. The answer is not to ban Muslims, however. The answer is to ask more of Muslims, I think. And the answer is incontrovertibly, in my mind, that we need some kind of control on the weapons in this country. Okay. Yes, that's... We do not, we do not, I, I, I own 14 weapons. I've owned weapons since I was 12 years old. I've <laughs> hunted since I was 12 years old with my father, my brothers. We do not need large capacity magazines, semi-automatic weapons in the hands of anybody in this country other than possibly law enforcement. Why do you need 12? Where's my old friend Larry? Why do I need that many? Yeah. I've accumulated them. Oh, I see. Larry. My father died and left me some. I my see. brother died and left sure, me Christmas. some. Sure, Christmas. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I don't go sell them to just anybody. Good. Oh, I'll you. buy yeah. some. Yes. I'll buy them off I you. wouldn't sell them to you. Because my friend... <laughs> Larry's talking about. He's totally wrong. First of all, high capacity magazine. John, is John McCain made an uh, egregious statement. John McCain. He withdrew it, but he made an egregious statement that said that Barack Obama was responsible for Orlando. Yes. If anybody is directly responsible well, for Orlando, it's the Republican Party for stymieing all manner of gun control. Okay, then, Larry. Larry. But, but, then but you're not for, for repealing the, the Second Amendment. So there still would be 300 million guns in America. I wouldn't repeal the Second Amendment. Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin right. said that Christ 
brought the Second Amendment to us, so, you know, I wouldn't have uh, repealed the Second Amendment. First of all, there is no... I I wrote a book about this. There is... And there is no gun control law that has ever been proven to reduce gun crime. Australia did a confiscation program. There is no gun control law in the United States of America that has ever reduced gun crime. And actually, in Australia, the violent crime... But but can we get get real here, first of all, uh, if he didn't use the AR-15... There's plenty of other guns in America. There's Maybe no. they would not have been as effective. But we are not going to have the cops go around and confiscate 300 million guns any more than we're going to deport 11 million illegals. This is like saying, all I right, want right, more right. Great Lakes. Yeah, I think America lives in a total fantasy but you, land. But, but also, you have Mary... to do something. You have to do something, for example, like saying the people on the no-fly list can't buy weapons. Absolutely. Well, no. You, know? I... you have to have something. All right, this has been... Or, and, and I'm also for getting rid of the AR-15s because it's a, such a microcosm of what's wrong with the this AR-15... country. No one will ever give an inch. You have so many thousands of guns available. Do you have to have everyone? Okay, so you guys, who is to blame then for the Boston bombing? The Sarnayevs. No, but what? There's no guns used. So if, if oh, guns are the cause of the So terror. because I kill you with a knife instead of a gun and someone else but kills someone with a gun, gun guns aren't repl- more difficult you, for people to kill people, and so fewer people will be killed. You just it's not said, about you all just seconds. said that guns are the reason that the terrorists are killing us. Nobody, they, nobody said no, guns were the reason. We were saying that guns no. are a part of the problem. I, and, okay. I'm just saying just admit they're a vice like drugs or alcohol or anything else, and that you don't care that some people are going to get killed. Like drugs. If you say to me, some people are going to get hurt and killed by drugs, I would say, that's too bad, but I still want them. <laughs> Just admit it. But, but... Just don't make it a virtue. It's not a virtue. The whole point of gun ownership and the Second Amendment is that we, me, I'm a gun owner, you're like you, I think you are? Yes. Because we want to defend ourselves. That's the purpose of the Second Amendment. It's not that we can go out and kill people. Nobody wants By to kill way, people. By the way, let me clear something up here. Okay. I don't own guns to defend myself. Why do you own them? I own guns to hunt with. So what happens if someone comes in your home? You're just going to go, go? I don't own the guns in case someone comes in my home so that I can shoot them. Okay, because but that is the purpose of the Second Because I don't expect someone to come in my home because I have law enforcement and other people around me Do you know what the response time is for law happening. enforcement? The response time is 10 minutes. But the response, yes. t- the average response time for law enforcement is ten minutes. So in those ten minutes, when that person is in your home, you're telling them you're not going to touch your guns. I'm seventy-one years old. I've lived in this country for seventy-one years, except for the years I was deployed fighting for this country when I did need my guns, and no one's ever entered my house and tried to kill me. issue with what you said about Islam being singular in terms of the violent risk that it poses for, for gays? Because, I mean, Donald Trump said this week, like, ask the gays what you're afraid of. And I think, you know, when you talk to gay people in America, if Donald Trump actually went and asked the gays, you know, the, the biggest violence risk is suicide. There's all of this immense social pressure against LGBT people, yeah. against being who that's they are. That's a different issue. No, but, it, but, but, I, but, but I think in terms of... But it's an issue that's relevant here, probably. It's relevant, but because, it's, not, it's apples and oranges. No, because, because you have Donald Trump and other Republicans coming and saying out, we're the real protectors of LGBT people in America. Well, because bullshit, we'll go... <laughs> right. No, but I think, I think there's... I, I think... He didn't ever know the term before last week. I promise, <laughs> I promise you he thought it was a sandwich before last week. <laughs> they make the best ones at Trump Tower. Um, oh, a sandwich. But, 
but I, don't, I just, you know, is, Islamist violence in the United States is extremely rare. I think it's very different from We're Europe. To, ex- yeah. In the United States, of I know. course. We I've said this so many times. We had 9-11 and 2,000 people killed, and now we just had 49 okay. people slaughtered by Islamic but, radicals. We had how many in San Bernardino? But this is the American myopia. We're all just going like, to put they our talk, hands they think, they think, Muslim, they think of the 3 million Muslims in America, who, by the way, are the lucky ones, because they can come out of the closet, or they can elope with someone who is not of their faith, or they can leave the religion, or they can they can draw a cartoon without getting killed. This is not the case for so many millions of Muslims around the world. Where are the liberals to stand up for them? The people who could not abide apartheid for one second. Somehow, when it comes to gender apartheid, which is in so many countries around the world, they are not to be heard. It is a liberal cause, or it should be. There are millions and millions of Muslims who are gay around the world, who have no one to stand up for them. And I didn't hear any of it this week. It's none of it this week. In 10 Muslim countries, you get the death penalty for just being gay. Could we have a little perspective on this issue? Size matters. Including Iran, where we just have been making deals. I mean, these are countries where, I mean, this religion... It's not comparable. It's not... Okay. But that's what, that's what you're saying, I and I'm agreeing. I, I, I disagree with your trying... I think you're trying to attribute it to religion. It, that's like blaming Christianity for pedophile priests. You know, I don't blame Christianity for pedophile priests. It's, I blame well, people. It's connected. It's the justification. Um, I'm not sure that's true. I think it's a, it's a putrefaction. It's a corruption of the religion when people right. get a hold of it and do these sorts of things. Okay. Well, let's look at why well, that we're is here a, with, That is a problem with, with religion. ISIS. And back to what you said about Senator McCain. But, we're here because we're having this problem with ISIS. It's gotten so powerful because President Obama said, I'm going to take all of our troops out of Iraq in 2011. Right, we're we're going to get to this, but I have to interrupt you because okay. uh, as long as we got on to religion, one of the amazing headlines I saw in the paper this week was that Mel Gibson is... <laughs> is making Passion of the Christ 2, which... Now, I saw Passion of the Christ. I, as movie-making, I thought it was terrific, but I did remember the ending. <laughs> and, and I'm thinking, where do you go with this story? <laughs> uh, now, Mel, I don't know if you have a script yet. Uh, I don't know. But I know you need a hit, my friend. So let me just make a few suggestions here. How about Ariana Grande as Mary Magdalene (laughs) and One Direction as the Apostles in Passion 2, I Know What You Did Last Easter? (laughs) Or Kevin James is the Lord. Kevin Hart is doubting Apostle Thomas in Passion 2. I thought you was dead. How about this? One of the biggest hits of all time, E.T. It's about a guy who comes to Earth. Just saying, Passion 2, J.C., the extra celestial. (laughs) Or get Tyler Perry involved. He's got a great track record, makes a lot of money. Passion 2, Judea's family reunion (laughs) is right on target with his Christian following. The new Ghostbusters is coming out. Look, my money is on those gals proving the naysayers wrong. Why not piggyback on that and do passion to I'm a ghost, Buster? (laughs) (laughs) And who doesn't love the chipmunks? Those wisecracking scams could make... (laughs) 
make a great supporting cast for Passion 2. The squeak shall inherit the earth. <laughs> All right. He is the actor, writer, and director of the documentary Meet the Patels, which is currently available on all streaming platforms. Ruby Patel. Hey, Ruby. How are you, sir? Thank you so much. Great to see you. How are you doing? Okay, so, you know, your name is spelled R-A-V-I, and mm-hmm. I just learned it's pronounced Ruby, not Ravi. No, well, you mislearned. Uh, uh, it was I, actually... I fucked up, I fucked up everybody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not Ruby? It's pronounced Ravi. Ravi, Ruby. Right. Where'd you Ruby. get Ruby from? Did you get the spelling? I'm bad. Yeah. Uh, sorry, Ravi, okay. But, Ravi. but, but yeah. Patel... I'm a big fan of yours, too. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the name. I loved your movie. It is, okay. thank you. Uh, Patel... There's some. How many Patels are there in India? A lot. Yes, a lot. like like ten million. I couldn't tell you the numbers. Right, but, but there so are... many that yeah. in, like parents like yours who mm-hmm. are Patels yeah. not only want you to marry an Indian girl. Right. They want you to marry a Patel. That's that right. That is unique in the world. And even a specific kind of Patel. I mean, right. you recall in the documentary, you know, my dad is naming all these different kinds of Patels that exist, and then this ten-mile radius of the kind of Patels that fit best, and it was the way that they got married. And that's, you know, the movie's about right. kind of how they keep that system going today. Right. And what's so interesting about the movie is you seem so Americanized. You are. But obviously... Thank you. Is it the haircut? No. <laughs> no, because... The the, hipster I mean, cut is what You're funny called. and you don't yeah. have an accent. And the whole movie, yeah. I'm going, why is this guy even doing this? Because yeah. you're, you're trying to make your parents happy. That's right. You, you had a girlfriend, a, a white girl. That's right. And you... you Which you love to. Broke, her, broke up with her. And right. And then... To make your parents happy, you you go on this journey yeah. for a year to try to find an Indian girl all over the world using their their bio data. I mean, they really do this scientifically, right? Yeah, no, it's a real thing. And, you know, I didn't just do it just to make them happy. I think it was more about figuring out what I really want. And part of what I want is to make them happy because I love them. But also, it was the first time in my life where I really got to question these things that were handed to me. I think a lot of the problems that you guys are talking about today is about people finally having to face uh, these laws and religious beliefs that uh, kind of conflict with the way morality has evolved today. Right. And your parents had it... <laughs> Polite golf course applause. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <there's>... uh... <laughs> And it's not a bad shot. Not a <laughs> yeah, bad shot. It's, Start. It's, uh, He's on the way. Right. Thank you, oh, this is great. So, uh, but your parents had an arranged marriage. I mean, they met mm-hmm. each other for ten minutes before they got married. Yeah, that's so interesting, and <laughs> and and it, and it worked because they're very happy. Oh, they're uh, so happy. They're adorable. I mean, you, you very the, absolutely. Yeah, they're cinema gold. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, but we in the West, I mean, we're, we're, we're sort of enamored with romantic marriage. We're, I mean, every movie has the meet cute. Uh, you even referenced that in your movie. You know, yeah. you have to meet cute, and then you have to agree on everything, and mm-hmm. you find the one. And, and I guess uh, it looks like, you know, because of the divorce rate, that's problematic because we, ex- we expect so much, whereas your parents expected nothing, so they were always playing with the house money. Yeah. <laughs> Is that about right? Have I, I think that's have about I right. summed it up? <laughs> you know, I think uh, the one thing that I learned while, while making the film was, 
you know, I, w I was raised with this kind of over-romanticized idea of love, that it's this thing where you're just supposed to bump into a girl, spill coffee on her, on her and next thing you know, you're married and you have kids. Uh, but then I saw the way my parents got married and how well it worked. They were an incredible couple, and they're so in love. And I, I was speaking to someone when we were doing the research, and they told me about these three major pillars to love. And depending on where you were raised and what kind of family, you put emphasis on different pillars. So here in America, we put almost all of our emphasis on love, this idea of chemistry. And because we put so much emphasis on it, the minute it goes away, we're like, oh, this isn't right. It's over. And it always goes away. It always goes away. Because the more you get to know someone, you find out they're crazy. Because we're all crazy. <laughs> and that's, you know... And, they're not just crazy, you're just too used to them. You There's so many, so many fucks in the can. <laughs> and then you're hitting the can. There's gotta be one more in here. No, but when you, when you get to that crazy, that's when your crazy comes out, and then you can talk about each other's crazy, and maybe you're right. a little less crazy. But that's kind of how it works. But, you know, with my, that's where the other two pillars come in, actually, is you can't, you can't just stand on love. You also have to have a commitment. And com commitment is increased by compatibility. That's what these biodata things really do. But, but uh, uh, what's so interesting is that the white girl that you were with at the beginning, mm -hmm. that, you, that you broke up with, yeah. you get back with her, the, uh -huh. uh, your parents are disheartened at first, and then they learn to love her. Yeah. And then the great irony, they love her and you dump her again. <laughs> I love that part. <laughs> oh, man, thanks for that. That's really helping things. That's a sweetheart move by you. Um, but isn't that what happened? Uh, I'll tell you what was the interesting <laughs> twist in that whole thing. <laughs> well, <laughs> you asshole. You, um, <laughs> you married somebody else. You didn't marry that girl. When, when, when we... <laughs> that's a whole nother documentary, Bill, if you want I to know, get into it. I know, but that's what happened. <laughs> um, when, when we broke up, the beautiful part about it, we talked about putting it back in the film, was my parents were mad at me. They were upset. They had come to love her. Right. And that, to me, is, like, the real lesson for me out of that whole experience in my life is how to really love uh, in the context of conflict, because we all know what it's like to want to make the people around us happy. Uh, and with us, I think, like, what you saw in my parents and myself was, like, hey, I want to make this work. We have differences. But you know what's more important to that than that? is creating just a safe space. Right. Okay. So, uh, I want to go back to the discussion we were having before. I want you to join it. Great. Would love, every... to be, would love to. Great. You were saying something about the rhetoric, which uh, well, no, very I was, I was saying on the bigger... Because Obama addressed that this week, why he doesn't say Islamic Radical terrorist. Islamic terrorist. Yeah, he says he won't... He still... He said, without saying, he won't say radical Islamic terrorist. I, I don't understand this. I cannot understand why he won't say who the enemy is. And, I mean, Larry, you're a lifelong career colonel. How do you identify an enemy in war? And not, like, you were in the Vietnam War. Were you saying, like, we're, we're fighting against some people in Asia? Well, first of all, as I said in <laughs> 2001, I would not have called this a war. I would have continued what we've been doing before and used the law enforcement instrument and thereby made them the criminals they right. are. Treat them as criminals, not as warriors. Look at the problem we had. And the issues we created by trying to define them, even in the law, once we had decided to make them warriors. We then decided we had to make them illegal combatants so they couldn't be warriors. But They're not I, warriors. ISIS, They're criminals. The, the, the ISIS is waging war against the West. And President Obama just 
for political purposes, no, said not. we're taking out our soldiers in well, 2011. First of all, ISIS no. isn't waging war against the West. It's what are they waging doing in, conflict in Iraq and Syria, and Para, Paris and Brussels. And certain and, pla- oh, well, you know, that's their extension of what? their influence. Oh, well, you where know. they're waging war, it's not war in Paris. If you treat it as war in Paris, what, you've got a whole you different paradigm. Why haven't the French the declared war? Well, they because are, they're not as stupid as we are. The, the, the reason you don't... The the reason, the president's reason for not using the term Islamist extremism is the idea is he doesn't want to give in to ISIS's frame where there is a war between Islam and the West. He doesn't want to set up this situation where, you know, one and a half billion Muslims around the world feel the need to pick sides in a war with the West. The idea is to to contain and destroy ISIS without letting them become a representative. Here's the one thing that Trump said this week that made a little sense to me. He said... When I, I listened to Obama today, and he sounded madder at me than the shooter. Uh, couldn't we just address the big elephant in the room, which is the shooter, before we go right to elephant but trying, phobia? But trying to yes. address the shooter as a product of Islam is like, as I said before, trying to address the priest who abuses children as a product of Christianity. But that's but not Larry, and by Larry, the way, let me say, shooter. I've been married for 50 that's, years. I've got to get this in, and yeah, I agree with do. everything you just said. <laughs> but you, you so love much. your... And you love... Okay. Right. <laughs> happily, <laughs> happily married. Happily married. Um, I think what he's he's hitting on is, like, a systemic issue that happens way before even religion. It's about family. It's about the lack of introspection. By the way, everyone needs to be in therapy. Wouldn't the world just be a better place if everyone was in therapy? No. I mean, we don't place any emphasis on introspection in this society, and I feel like people go out there in the world, yes. I think that's all we do. What? What Interest. Liberals, yes. (laughs) As a country, I don't think... And people with money. I guarantee (laughs) you the people who are serving in the armed forces and the places they come from don't do therapy. And with PTSD, they actually probably some need them. All right. But uh, back to this issue. Could I I quote David Cameron? This is a, a prime minister of Britain. I think we all respect him, right? These are the kind of things he says after a terrorist attack. He said, we believe in respecting different faiths, but also expecting these faiths to support the British way of life. Too often we have lacked the confidence to enforce our values for fear of causing offense. He says, these reforming voices, they have a tough enough time as it is, talking about Muslim reforming voices. We can't stand neutral in this battle of ideas. We have to back those who share our values. I would love to hear that first. Now, of course it's wrong when any Muslim American is given a dirty look, asked extra questions, but it's not the same as people getting shot. We have to put things into perspective. It's not just Muslims I, that shoot people. Uh, of course it's not. But, but... I mean, up, it, up to this point, it, my memory is, there, is, is there, Timothy uh, McVeigh in Oklahoma it, City where some of my good friends died. That is, sir, that is a false equivalency. Come on, how many terrorist attacks, Muslim-inspired terrorist attacks, have there been in the last 20, 30 years? And how many Christian-inspired? The New York Times... I didn't mean Timothy McVeigh was Christian-inspired. What I'm aiming at is what James Comey has been talking about. There are bad people and bad ideas. The mentally unstable person. He wasn't lone wolf and mentally unstable. He said and called... He called the police repeatedly and said, 
I'm doing this for ISIS. Yeah, it was something Be he could reach out for and make himself seem something. And, and, and I what about the... You know, I think, I think Americans are, are, already, are already alarmed enough about terrorism. It is a statistically really unlikely mode of death. People should be more worried about uh, ordinary uh, well, they are trying about to, whether they eat too except much. Except they are trying to get a nuclear weapon. And I don't think, yeah, I don't think well, there are any Christian well, groups that I've, are trying to I've, obtain I've, a nuclear weapon. I've sir. been in the briefings. I've been in the briefings with the NSA, with the CIA, with Israeli intelligence, with French intelligence, with British intelligence. The scariest thing in this country to all these people, and I, I guarantee if James Comey were here, he would be shaking his head up and down, is the lone wolf terrorist getting his hands on something like you're talking about, something like the Unabomber, something like the guy in Orlando, something like any of these people who go off, the, off their rockers and start killing people, happening that the FBI knows nothing about because and, they are lone wolves. And you are saying the, the, the chance of that being the Unabomber or Tim McVeigh is equal to that of being I'm saying Islamic it's greater. terrorist? There, I'm saying the FBI and other law enforcement entities are more concerned about that than they are the other because they can listen to, track, network, go after the finances of, Larry, and even introduce the military into combating the other. They can't go after these lone wolves. Larry, this guy Until will be they do it. Larry, I Larry, think these lone wolves, it's a very This guy easy is thing. not a lone wolf. You guys, stop repeating that. He is not a lone wolf. He went to Saudi Arabia twice. The CIA, I mean, the FBI has been investigating him twice. He was on the terror watch list, which he, his gun would have been blocked had he bought, been still in the terror watch list in 2016 when he bought that gun. He is not a lone wolf. He got the propaganda from, from ISIS online. He went to Saudi Arabia well, He's also twice, not a member of ISIS. I mean, the guy's on Grindr. No. You think they're calling right. him part of his team? He's getting well, up to heaven. He's going to get a thousand virgins waiting for him that he can't yeah. even touch. And he's bored. He's got to give him a dick for me. I, ISIS was all for him until they found out. Yeah, and then they're like, whoa, can't do that anymore. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. These then, people, they, they're using ISIS because it's available to him. He's lonely. Oh, this, he has no one around. He's powerless. And he's, that's an well, easy source lonely. of power because he can't get rejected from married, it. He gets online and, and he says, that's America. my team. Now I feel validated. He's not, and it's look, the same stuff that happens in social conservatism. It's the exact. Wait, wait, how so? Well, I'm I'm saying what happens in any religion what when people are pressed. Were you talking about? People? I'm I'm talking. No, I'm saying what happens is when people jump out, when people act out, they latch on to the the closest thing in terms of. In this case, it was just the ideology that is. It creates it, murdering 49 innocent people. You had a guy no. shoot up a Planned Parenthood clinic in Colorado Springs just a few months ago. I'm saying. He killed three yes, people. No one, no, one is, no one is saying that the only bad things happen in the Muslim world. We are saying, I am saying, I lots agree, of I people, agree with you. Yes. Sure. That, that there, you have to go where the preponderance of it is. And there is no doubt that, it, that most of it happens in this sphere. Religion. But, that, that, in the name no, of this religion. It, yes, in the name of this religion. Now, we're not saying all Muslims in the world are like this. Of course, most of them are not. But when I hear Hillary Clinton said this week, freedom-loving Muslims, well, this is what Bush, this was his mistake, to think all people in the world want to be just like us. I don't know if freedom, as we think of it, is the same way they think of it. I, I, what's important to me is separation of church and state, for example. This... Well, great. I'm glad you're applauding that. <laughs> that is not something that is important to most Muslims in most you know, Muslim you, countries. You talk in about fact, it's antithetical yeah, to what they believe in. 
the, 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 the state is, follows the rules of the Koran. Church and state should not be separated. You know, I hear you talk about this all Muslim the time. I have more Muslim friends than probably all of you guys combined. Sure. And they live here in America, and they don't subscribe in to that. In America, that's 3 million out of 1.6 billion. Exactly. Yep. In but America. shouldn't they be safe from, from being a part of that description? Of course. But, except can, for the, except but shouldn't the, the other ones be included <laughs> in it? Shouldn't the liberals in this country stand with all those people who have to face what I call everyday terrorism? Let's add to the weight of the three million. Right. There are plenty in Indonesia. No one's Indo- saying You know what? In Indonesia, people. if a woman wants to join the military, she has to undergo what they call the two-finger test. What? They put that, that in her... Dirty. It is dirty. They want to see if she's a virgin. And this is the moderate country that they hold up as an example. And look, and this is part of the U.S. of the U.S. foreign policy is trying to promote. So LGBT let me get. Let me see if I've got you straight here. So you want our president, whether it's Trump or Obama or Clinton or whomever, to go out and declare war on all these people who don't believe the way you do? Where'd you get that? Well, what, when what, did I say what, declare what do you do war? about it then? I said get real. Oh, get real, okay. What does that mean? It means establishing Stand up for liberal values. Stand up for things that, if they were happening in... (laughs) Well, I can guarantee you... Liberal, not not liberal with a small L. Not liberal political. Liberal Liberal like in... From the French Revolution. So you would like side with separation it. Of, like separation of church and state. Uh, equality of women. But how are you going to bring this to them? Well, first of all... By just force? Stay, just stay, Of course not. Well, that's, you've got 50 people in the State Department right now using the dissent channel saying that that's what we should be doing in Syria. What do you mean? Well, I'm not in the State Department and I'm not one of them. Thank uh, you, panel. Time to go to new rules. <laughs> Neural, the 36-year-old <laughs> Georgia man who stripped naked in front of a Waffle House and pressed his genitals against the front door has to work on his verbal skills. I mean, how, car- how hard can it be to just say, I really, really like waffles? New rule, Canada's Joanne Barnaby, who claims she was out picking wild mushrooms when she was confronted by a hungry wolf, and then cleverly lured the wolf towards a bear so the bear would attack the wolf, has to tell us what kind of mushrooms and how many did you eat? (laughs) New rule, there's such a thing as being too ready for Hillary. Neural, if you want people to take you seriously, lose the basketball net trash can in your office. It doesn't say I'm fun and sporty. It says, so many of my ideas are shit, I've made a game of it. (laughs) Neural, the next time a Christian dies by mistake and makes a brief visit to heaven, while he's there, he needs to ask Tupac Shakur, do you know you're selling Sprite? And finally, new rule, now that the Trump phenomenon seems to have peaked, Americans must ask themselves, why? Why for so long was there one set of rules for everyone who's ever run for president and then suddenly a completely new set for this Donald Trump person? Because when it comes to lowering the bar, he really raised the bar. (laughs) 
So, it's been a year and a day since Donald Trump descended on an escalator to announce he was running for president, and since then, he's just kept on descending. <laughs> so let me take you back in time to the pre-Trump era and show you what people used to think was a monstrous political gaffe. Here's Al Gore and Bush the first, each doing something at a debate that the country found to be beyond the pale. There's differences. <sighs> Under Vice President. We have a question right here. Yes, how has the national debt... Shocking, isn't it? <laughs> Sighing and looking at your watch to show such blatant disrespect for our sacred democracy. <laughs> then there's this guy at a debate, bragging about his dick. He referred to my hands. If they're small, something else must be small. I guarantee you there's no problem. I guarantee it. <laughs> what if Bush had done that? Read my lips, six and a half inches. Or take the sensitive issue of race. There was a firestorm back in 92 when Ross Perot said to a black audience... Now, I don't have to tell you who gets hurt first when this sort of thing happens, do I? You, you people do. Oh, my God! He said, you people! Smother him with the AIDS quilt! George Allen was a rising star in 2006, and then his career was over when he said... This fellow here over here with the, the yellow shirt, Makaka, or whatever his name is. Did you hear it? Did you hear it, everybody? He said Makaka. <laughs> whatever the fuck that is. <laughs> Trump tweets more racist shit than that before lunch. He retweets white supremacy. He began his campaign by calling an entire minority group rapists. He says our black president faked his birth and might be working with ISIS. He did this. Uh, look at my African-American <laughs> over here. Look at him. That's not worse than you people? <laughs> and what about basic old dumbness? I, I seem to remember Dan Quayle being pronounced unfit for office dumb because he misspelled potato. And Sarah Palin's brief flirtation with respectability <laughs> came crashing down when she could not name what news sources she read. All of them, any of them that um, have, have been in front of me over all these years. <laughs> but Trump doesn't even pretend he can read. He just hears things. I'm hearing. A lot of people are saying. This is his favorite news so He hears things. <laughs> it could be from a passing mental patient. It could be the voices in his own head. And when he does... When he does read, it's the National Enquirer. And he refers to it as the paper. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm not being fair. He does have one other news source. All I know is what's on the Internet. <laughs> Right, me too. I get my news from Pornhub. No wonder he once said... I love the poorly educated. John McCain and Bob Dole, both veterans, but war does things to a man. Both were accused of being too angry, too angry to be president. After all, Bob Dole once said this. 
And Senator Dole, is there anything you'd like to say to the vice president? Yeah, stop lying about my record. Ah! <laughs> what a raving lunatic! <laughs> but this is okay. Uh, I don't know what I said. Uh, I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, what about that? Obama once just compared his poor bowling skills to the Special Olympics, cut to the apology tour, but we're good with this. Uh, I don't know what I said. Uh... <laughs> and finally, the ultimate third rail, insulting the military. Obama got endless shit for once saluting with coffee in his hand, violating an ancient military rule dating to never. <laughs> <laughs> But Trump can say John McCain isn't a war hero? If Hillary said that, they'd be burning pantsuits in effigy. <laughs> All right, thanks for our show. Don't forget to watch our convention coverage in July, three nights. I want to thank my guests, Colonel Lawrence Wilkerson, Emily Miller, Josh Farrow, Re thank you. Remy Patel, <laughs> and Rebecca Tracer. Join us now for Overtime on YouTube. Thank you. Catch all new episodes of Real Time with Bill Maher every Friday night at 10, or watch him anytime on HBO On Demand. For more information, log on to HBO.com.